Welcome to Kings River Life's Mystery Rats Maze podcast, where we share with you mystery short stories and first chapters of mystery novels read by local actors. Now, this episode features part of the first chapter of the mystery novel, Lipstick, Lies, and Dead Guys, written by Jennifer Frechetto. It's read by local actor Taya Juarez. Lipstick, Lies, and Dead Guys was published by Gemma Halliday Publishing in June of 2016. The Gianna Mancini Mysteries features Gianna Mancini, a 26-year-old ghost whisperer who returns to her fictional hometown of South Shore Beach on Long Island, New York. Her plans include working in the family deli and living above it in a small one-bedroom apartment. It seems like the perfect situation because when ghosts move on to the afterlife, they pass through the deli's freezer. During an innocent night out to a local bar with her sister, Izzy, Gianna stumbles across her ex-boyfriend, who seems to have followed her back home, and a clown who was discovered in a compromising position with Izzy's husband. When the clown ends up dead, and her ghost is standing in Gianna's apartment, Gianna knows the only way to get rid of her unwanted roommate is to discover who killed her, even when the culprit looks to be someone Gianna loves. I drop my purse on the hardwood floor and giggle like a teenage girl at her first boy band concert. The apartment is small. The bathroom's so tiny, there's only room for a shower stall, not a tub. And the toilet is close enough to the sink that I think they're married. The bedroom closet won't hold my growing boot collection or all of my handbags. I may have a slight addiction. But despite the apartment's limitations... It's all mine. I don't have to share one single square foot. I can paint over the current off-white walls, fill the front windows with plants, and buy an excessive amount of cute pastel throw pillows. I half twerk, half chicken dance across my new space. Yes, it's as bizarre as it sounds, but I only do it in private. And not very well. Having my own place is a first for me. Of my 26 years, I spent the first 23 living at home. Then I moved to Connecticut and lived with my chatty, somewhat self-absorbed cousin for two years. She got married, and what did I do? I moved in with the super hot, super new boyfriend, Julian, hereafter known as Douche Nozzle. I should have immediately known we weren't soulmates, who finds true love and moves in with him after one week? I moved back home to South Shore Beach, New York four days ago, and it's been awesome. I forgot how entertaining it is listening to Ma sing show tunes while she cooks and cleans. This week's theme is My Fair Lady. And yes, Ma, it would have been lovely if I could have danced all night in the rain in Spain. The only down part about being back home is my sister and niece are staying with my folks, too, and I've had to endure sleeping on their lumpy couch. But I've missed my family tremendously, and being home simply feels so right. And the cream cheese icing on the pumpkin cupcake? I'm craving sweets. Is that the folks handed over the keys to the apartment above the family deli? The one my parents lived in when they first married? The one my siblings and I were conceived in. Despite the pungent stench of salami and pine salt, and what an eye-watering combination that is, I choose to believe this twist of fate, this full circle, 
is the universe's way of pushing me down the right path. Hopefully I'm correct and the universe isn't mocking me. I open my arms wide and take in a long, deep breath. Then immediately gag, sputter, and choke like a dying car. <coughs> Dear God, my brother lived here for five years. How did he stand it? Silly question. This is the same person who left a pepperoni and Swiss cheese sandwich in his backpack in the trunk of the car during a camping weekend with Pop. In June. And not only does he have seriously odd taste buds, but he could live in a can of sardines and not be bothered. I rush forward and open each of the three windows facing the street out front. I press my nose to the middle screen and breathe in lungfuls of clean air until I'm lightheaded and almost pass out. That would be one way to not notice the smell. My phone plays Cindy Lauper's Girls Just Wanna Have Fun, which means it's my sister. I swipe the green flashing circle while making a mental note to use the rest of my credit balance on cases of Glade plugins. Izzy, I shouldn't be much longer, I say. She and I have a night of drink, dance, and darts ahead of us. This will be our first night out since I've been back. I'm just waiting for my bed to arrive. Why are my husband and his buddy hauling a mattress out of his truck? Her words are garbled, as if her mouth is directly pressed against the phone. The answer seems pretty obvious to me. Where are you? I ask, and spot her car parked down the street by Park Place Bakery. In the deli. Pop's cleaning the front counters and I'm in back. No doubt peering through the peephole in the door. I don't know what's wrong with her marriage. When Ma and I pressed her on it, she'd said something about lonely nights and cabana boys. She gets muddled when upset. This was two days ago. I figure a pitcher of margaritas, a few hip thrusts to the latest bebop, and she'll be spilling her guts. Ma gave me explicit instructions to report all findings back to her pronto. But I won't betray Izzy's trust. Ma knows this. All those times Ma tried bribing me with ice cream or cookies so I'd spill about Izzy's latest crush or whether she really went to the library after school. Not once did I tell what I knew, and I knew tons. Izzy was not a reader. Despite her being five years older than me, she's my sister, and I'm not a tattler. Besides, Izzy knows a wild shopping cart didn't dent Pop's car when I was in 12th grade. I accidentally inhaled some secondhand marijuana smoke, that's my story anyway, and got slightly high. Then I volunteered to go on a munchies run. I didn't see the return carts here sign when backing out of the space. I only tapped it. Nine years isn't long enough, though, for that truth to come out. Not that Pop is violent or easily angered. I just don't want to see the disappointment on his face. He restored and adored that car. You couldn't ask someone other than Polly to help you move? Izzy's voice penetrates my memories. Heavy boots clamor up the back steps. Pop asked him. I couldn't very well say no. Ma and Pop aren't bringing the rest of the furniture until tomorrow after Sunday dinner. 
As appealing as it sounds, sleeping in the shower stall is out of the question. I turned to let Polly and his buddy in and spot an unfamiliar guy standing by the breakfast bar. I scream and freeze, because that will save my life. The phone slips from my hand as I remind my heart to beat. What is it? Izzy shrieks from beside my shoe. Something hard hits the door. Gianna? Polly calls through it. He sounds concerned. Good, brother-in-law. No matter what's going on between him and my sister, he has a lifelong duty to help me move, kill spiders, and protect me from murdering, raping, stealing home intruders. Technically, the guy doesn't look threatening, but I read that Ted Bundy didn't either. How did this guy sneak up behind me? The downstairs entrance has a dim light bulb, but it's only two walls and a narrow staircase. How didn't I hear him? He's wearing khaki shorts, a light blue polo shirt, and beige flip-flops. He holds his skull. Whoa, dude, you can see me? He looks barely legal and sounds like he spent one too many hours surfing waves. What is he talking about? Of course I can see him. Did he accidentally inhale secondhand weed smoke? Polly manages to open the door without letting go of the mattress and knocking his buddy down the stairs. Izzy calls my name. If she was a loving sister, she'd run up with Pop's cleaver regardless of the fact that her husband is making his way in. Are you okay? Polly asks as he turns the corner. His sweaty face is pink and his eyes are wide. He stares wildly around the room, which is really one half stretch of the neck, and looks straight through surfer dude. Oh crap. I take a step closer and realize surfer dude isn't standing, but hovering. Well, isn't this interesting? My brand new apartment comes equipped with its very own ghost. How many have I seen in my lifetime now? Close to a thousand? What is he doing up here? And does he do windows? That's the worst chore in the world. Gianna? Polly asks again, dragging the mattress farther in and allowing me to catch a glimpse of his buddy. Six feet, bleached blonde, light green eyes, and a back so broad he won't need shoulder pads when they come back into fashion. All the weird things do. I instantly blush, already knowing the fantasy I'll have tonight on that very mattress. Um, yeah, sorry. It was just a spider. I snatch up the phone, say, I'm fine, see you in a bit, and disconnect the call. Polly nods. This is one of the paramedics, Harry, and this is my sister-in-law, Gianna Mancini. I hold out my hand, anticipating his warm flesh against mine, and practically purr. You can call me Sally. Harry and I exchange smiles bright enough to put the sun out of work while he checks me out from head to toe with a slow, smoldering gaze that almost singes my black mini-dress to ash. I do my best not to lick my lips. It may have only been two weeks since Douche Nozzle and I officially broke up, but it's been four months since I got freaky. That's not very long, but since that time has been filled with a hide-in-your-bed, sobbing, snotting, Ben and Jerry emotional meltdown, and an out-of-state move. 
It feels like a stint in a nunnery. Polly smirks. So, uh, bedroom? He tugs the mattress forward, almost pulling it from Harry's grip. As soon as they're out of earshot, I wave Surfer Dude over and whisper, You know the freezer's downstairs, right? Yeah, I know, but I don't need it now. I do my best. What you talking about, Willis? Pout. Uh, but you're dead, and all good dead beings leave this world through the freezer. For some reason, our deli freezer is a portal to the other side. I don't know why this is, and none of the ghosts I've ever encountered know either. I've often wondered if there was something special about our freezer, or if there were freezers all over the country acting as rotating doors to the great beyond. Whatever that is. He shrugs. I'm not ready to go yet. Is there a deadline? The freezer's not disappearing, right? I cock my head and frown. Exactly how does a freezer disappear? He shrugs. I don't know. I haven't exactly died before. But you can see ghosts, so anything's possible. He has a point. No, leave when you're ready. But I didn't sign up for a roommate. I don't mean to sound stingy, but a plus-size girl with an adequately big butt shouldn't chicken dance in front of people. He flashes a smile that would put the Cheshire cat to shame. You won't even know I'm here. I roll my eyes. I doubt that. This reading of Lipstick, Lies, and Dead Guys was produced by Kings River Life and directed by Lori Lewis Hamm. Lipstick, Lies, and Dead Guys is available for purchase. You can learn more about this book and the author on her website, jenniferfaschetto.com. Check out Kings River Life Magazine's websites for more mystery, local theater, animal rescue, and so much more. kingsriverlife.com and krlnews.com. Now we'll plan to be back next time with another mystery short story or mystery first chapter. Subscribe to our podcast to make sure you don't miss a single episode. Subscribe to our podcast newsletter to get special interviews with the authors of the podcast stories. And follow us on Twitter to keep up with everything KRL at Kings River Life. If you enjoy this episode, please rate or review it because this helps make it easier for others to find us. Until next time, this is your announcer, Jim Tuck, wishing you a life full of mystery.